another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. One man's view of the changing world and the changing economic times and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, dictated as most often is the case anyway on my 50 mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, which means when you think to yourself, hey man, it sounds like this dude's audio is a little whack because it sounds like he's in a car. You know what? That's because this dude's in a car. Uh, it's about the only time I can get this show done and uh, we are now on our 98th episode just like this. I believe out of 98 episodes, 96 have been done from a moving vehicle. Um, and as always, again, one man's opinion, you're free to differ with me. Uh, I don't have a typical call-in talk show, so you can use my blog, thesurvivalpodcast.com, and give me feedback on an episode, positive, negative, or otherwise. You can send me email directly at jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Again, that is jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Or for those of you who grew up in the southeast, thesurvivalpodcast.com. All right. And uh, anyway, you can give me feedback through any one of those means. Today is Monday, November 24th. 2008, and again, this is episode number 98, and today we're going to talk about survival gardening, uh, specifically container gardening, to get through the winter time, or for people that live in a place maybe where you rent property and they won't let you dig up the yard, or you live in an apartment and maybe you have a pretty big uh, porch you can work with, but you can't obviously put a garden in. So, in those instances, it's still important to be able to produce at least some of your own food, and hopefully you're looking toward the day where you're going to be able to move somewhere. And when you make that move, you'll be able to garden. And container gardening is a great way to start realizing what you can do. And I believe that, you know, container gardening is kind of like, oh, I don't know, like shot putters, right? Shot putters in the Olympics. When they practice, they'll often throw a shot put that weighs more. They'll make it more difficult, right? They'll use a training shot. But discus guys do this too, a heavier discus. And they, they try to throw it. And, uh, of course, they can't throw it as far, but then when they pick up the uh, the regulation weight, uh, the muscle conditioning that they've done, the techniques they've developed, enable them to take that regulation weight and actually throw it further than if they had just, um, hold on, somebody's trying to back into me here, folks, uh, than if they had just, uh, you know, uh, always train with the lighter weight. That's how container gardening can be because you're at a distinct disadvantage. And with that disadvantage, you're then able to move into a situation where you actually have the ability to put in full-size garden beds and things like that, and you'll be able to get a lot more out of that bigger area from what you've learned. So that's our main subject we're going to talk about today, but we actually have quite a few things to talk about today. Um, in regard to some other things that are going on, I, I want to cover before we go into today's topic. Uh, the first one is the Listener Appreciation Contest. Um, we have a great new sponsor uh, called Center of Mass uh, that builds in-car uh, gun safes. These are small gun safes, the t- type of thing you would keep a handgun in. Uh, I was sent two to review. I've done the review. I haven't got it formatted on the site yet. It should be on the site by the time that you actually are able to listen to this podcast. If not, it'll be soon thereafter, and I'll have a 
link from this podcast uh, to the review of them. Uh, there's two different kinds of, uh, of safes that were sent to me for review. One is a key lock standard type of safe. Um, it was the the model that was sent to me is I don't think it's the largest model available. It was large enough to fit my full frame 1911 handgun. Uh, so it's 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 definitely suitable for just about any handgun you would you would possibly put it in, other than maybe some kind of crazy long barreled you know Ruger Red Hawk or something like that, which generally is something that people use for personal defense. Uh, so for personal defense handguns, which is what these are in, uh, you know ideally intended for. Uh, They'll, they'll do just fine. And then the second one was a biometric device. Uh, you push a button, rub a fingerprint uh, over it, and it opens for you without a key. Uh, ask, you know, a huge improvement over the uh, first one, uh, but you know, it obviously costs a lot more than the standard model as well. Well, uh, Center of Mass has donated four of the standard models to be given away. We'll try to do those one a week leading up to right around Christmas time. And then the fifth week, right near Christmas, uh, right before I take a vacation of about a week, guys, um, we're going to go ahead and give away that biometric one. And the uh, biometric one, I believe, is about $180 value. Uh, so those are that's just one new prize for the Listener Appreciation Contest. I'm going to ask you, all of my listeners, please go by Center of Mass Products. There's going to be a link from this show. Go to the show. Go to the Survival Podcast. Link over to Center of Mass. Take a look at their products and think about if you're going to buy something for somebody this Christmas that's a gun guy, think about, you know, at least buy maybe one of the standard models or if, uh, you, you know, if you can afford to, you might want to look at the biometric. But, you know, I know everybody's cutting back this Christmas, but here's a good sponsor that stepped up at this time of year. Uh, most people listening to this show have some friends or family that are gun people. Good creative gifts, something I probably wouldn't have thought of. Uh, they can also be bolted into the you know, to the metal of a vehicle. They also come with uh, these cables that allow them to be secured to things like the rail underneath your seat. Uh, exceptional product. Highly endorse them. Um, and the way I run this show, folks, if somebody offers a product and I don't think the quality there. If they send me a sample, I'll send it back to them, and I will not recommend it to my audience. I have got to believe in a product to recommend it. I highly recommend these guys as a, as a source, and uh, please take a look at their website. Moving on from there, I want to talk briefly before I get into uh, container gardening today and survival gardening mindsets uh, to what our illustrious new president is going to be doing uh, the day he steps into office. There's a bill out there right now uh, that should have no problem getting through the Congress and the Senate. And the, the, the truth is it would have had no problem getting through the old Congress and the Senate, uh, which doesn't take over until Barack Obama is inaugurated. Anyway, they all take over at the same time. So it, it's not like the new Congress or new Senate is going to be doing this. The old one is willing to do this. Bush should be willing to sign this bill. Now, why would Bush sign the bill? Because Bush is an idiot. That's why. Uh, not, I'm not saying whether it's a good bill or a bad bill. But it's going to end up spending somewhere between another 200 to 700 billion dollars, and uh, you know Bush willing to sign that when the new president wants to sign it is just stupid. Uh, but the Congress and the Senate don't realize how dumb he is, so they're going to hold back and put it in front of uh, President Obama and let him make it his bill. Now the truth is, this is not Barack Obama's bill. He didn't propose this bill. He has nothing to do with this damn thing. It's been around. I talked about it two and a half months ago. It is primarily going to invest money 
money into production of green energy and green energy jobs and things like that, and building roads and bridges and highway infrastructure. Uh, Chuck Schumer says that even though Mr. Obama says it'll be a little under 200 billion, you know, 170 billion and some change or something like that, the actual cost. Now this is guy's own party, right? Around 600 to 700 billion dollars, and you can bet they're going to spend all of that. Uh, the problem is that we don't have it, and we're going deeper in debt. And we're already 10 trillion dollars just in our public debt. We have 60 trillion in unfunded obligations to uh, Social Security, and Medicare, Medicaid combined, and then we have a whole other set of emergency books that we're trillions of dollars upside on. You and I and every other American out there with mortgage debt, consumer debt, everything that adds up to about another 13 trillion. The businesses of America owe over 10 trillion. We have a whopping over a hundred trillion dollars of debt in this country, and we don't have money. Okay, we're out of money. So when Barack Obama and the New Deal comes around, this is like the new New Deal. It's already being touted as that. I'm not making fun of the guy when I call it the new New Deal. Time Magazine has a picture out this weekend of Barack Obama in Franklin Roosevelt's most famous pose with the big cigarette thing with his big teeth out in the car with the convertible cruising down the road. That one, Time Magazine has Barack Obama photoshopped into a caricature into that famous Roosevelt picture and calls it the new New Deal. So this is not, you know, conservative right-wing Jack Spierko beating up on Barack Obama. This is reality. All right? Time Magazine's not exactly a conservative publication. They're proud of this. Right? Okay. Here's why this is all important. We have to look at this and go, and remember I told you this. I don't care how much you dislike Barack Obama. We as a people should not be rooting for this guy to fail. All right? And I know that's hard to take when you are so animately opposed to so many things that this guy wants to do. Just like I am, okay? So I feel your pain. You know, not the way Bill Clinton said, I feel your pain. But I really feel your pain when you have to do that. But if you bet on the President of the United States to fail, folks, you're not a patriot. Because you're betting on the United States of America to fail. You're hoping for the United States of America to fail. And I don't want us to fail. I'm afraid we're going to fail. That's why I do this show. I just did a show Friday about how bad our government really is. But there is some good to this kind of spending, alright? I'd rather see 700... I don't want any money spent before somebody gets on the blog and goes, I can't believe you're for government spending 700... I'm not! I'm not! Alright? Don't go there with me. But... If we're going to spend $700 billion, I'd rather buy green energy production and highway infrastructure than bail out Wall Street like we've done with another $700 billion. And here's why. When we bail out Wall Street, all of those fat-ass pricks over there get to keep their jobs, continue to make money, continue to screw us in the back door. We bail out the stupid people that bought houses they can't afford. We really don't fix the problem. And five years from now, we have nothing to show for. for from it, okay? If we let it crash and it rebuild itself, people will come in privately by the assets and we would end up in the same situation five years down the road, okay? Now, those five years might be harder without the bailout, but we'd end up in the same place. So our $700 billion buys off five years of pain to a degree, not completely, okay? There's still going to be pain. We're not buying away the pain, we're buying down the pain. If we spent $700 billion on roads, infrastructure, and green energy, 
five years from now, we have more roads, improved movement through the country with transportation, and on top of that, we have green energy production, which reduces what we have to pay for foreign sources of, uh, of oil and other fossil fuels. So, it makes more sense. So, it can be beneficial. Is it the way I would spend $700 billion? No. I would spend $700 billion by putting it back in the pockets of every taxpayer. Here's the other good news from Mr. Obama. Remember he was going to jack up prices for the wealthy? Yeah, even his own party's going, yeah, you know, that's probably not a good idea right now with the economy and the toilet. So he is going ahead trying to get his middle class tax cuts approved with no immediate increase on the wealthy. That's somewhat good news. The fact that it's no immediate increase tells me that it's built in there somewhere, that it's going to happen. And it might already be passed, but it might be two years or three years before people have to start paying it. Better than, you know, it's three years without it. So so, whatever. Uh, folks, again, if you voted for this clown, you're getting what you deserve. There's, there's a statement that in a democracy, people always get the government that they deserve. Unfortunately, right now, the United States as a whole, your brothers and your sisters to your left and your right, have behaved like a bunch of spoiled brats feeding at the tit of government. And we're getting a giant bloated course of a government that keeps feeding us pablum and baby food. So we're getting what we deserve, at least the majority of us are. Now, if you're different, if you're like me, and you probably are if you listen to my show, and you're willing to stand up and rebel on one way, shape, or form, then you don't deserve this. But here's the key thing. You don't have to accept it. And it can start with something like growing your own food. And I want to tell you as I transition into this container gardening thing exactly why the Survival Podcast exists today. Back in June, I saw a need for a show like this. I was looking for a show like this. I went on iTunes. I listened to every survival-themed podcast I could find. They were either far out there conspiracy Alex Jones type things or they were like boring they didn't really you know it's like oh you really need to store water you can store water in many containers I was like oh I can't listen to that or they were good but there were two episodes one was a year old one was eight months old and they hadn't done anything and there was no regularity to it so I'm like okay there's a need for this and I believe people would listen but I don't have time to do it the right way I'm going to have to do this in a car with a crappy recorder. And I I almost didn't do the show. I almost said this is not going to happen. No one's going to be willing to put up with trucks and cars and people flying past me and blowing horns and, you know, pulling in to pick up my coffee that morning and guys trying to back into me. I have to blow my horn and yell at them. No one's going to tolerate this. There's one guy that made me think they might. This guy named Chris Future. It was who gave me the idea originally. Okay? And Chris Future's show is on politics. It's libertarianism. He rants. He sounds a lot like me in a lot of ways, but it's not a survival show. But he's an audio-video producer, and he has really high-end equipment. He's driving around with a laptop, and he's recording right there. He's got noise filtering and all this good stuff, and it sounds almost as good as being in the studio. And I'm like, I can't do that right now. I don't have the time, the resources. It just can't be that way. It's going to have to be a simple recorder. So I almost didn't do it. And then I was on YouTube, 
and I was watching a channel called Peak Moment TV, uh, which I've told you guys about before. I think they're a little airy fairy, but you know, they, especially with the gardening, they have some really good shows about people and what they've done and how they've made things work, produce more than anybody thought they could, that type of thing. And I happen to notice, you know, you see related videos, one from a family family called the Dervais. Out in, uh, right, right, right outside of Los Angeles, Pasadena, California, on a, on a fifth of an acre. They're, their house is a tenth, but they actually have a fifth of an acre under cultivation. And with a fifth of an acre, they produce 6,000 pounds of food a year. And as I'm watching this show, I, I, I'm amazed. And I, I went, I heard something at the beginning of this show. I'm not sure what it was. I wasn't really focused. So I rewound it to the beginning. And I heard Jules DeVace, the, the gentleman that started this whole thing with his family, say that growing food might be the most dangerous occupation on the planet. Because when you grow your own food, you're in danger of becoming free. And with those words, I watched the rest of the, 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 the thing again. And I watched what these people were able to do. And I watched, they created this amazing, they didn't call themselves survivalists. They called themselves homesteaders. And I don't see much of a difference. All right, Maybe the motivation might be a little bit different, but the, the practical aspects of what you do are the same. And at the end of this, this little film, this little nine minute film, Jules DeVace holds up a garden trowel. A little handheld garden trout. And, you know, almost like, you know, kind of the, the Malcolm X fist pump, right? You know, that type of spirit of rebellion, but with a garden trout. This is how we'll take back our country. And when I looked at that, I said, if this family can do this, then I can roll the dice, and I can do everything I can to make something that shouldn't work into a success. And today... I have thousands of listeners, and I am so grateful to you guys. And we're, you know, we're making a difference. One more thing I want to say: uh, stockings for soldiers. We're sending uh, stuff to soldiers in Afghanistan uh, in, in cooperation with John Wills at SOE Tactical Gear. And I'm breaking away here, but I, I almost forgot to say this today. We have a group over there. Please go to the site, click on stockings for soldiers, and read about and watch the videos of these guys that we're sponsoring. I'm also going to put some pictures up tomorrow of the stuff that we're sending to them. We've stuffed five stockings full and we have a huge box. We're going to probably spend more money on shipping than we did on all the stuff. It's that much stuff that we're personally sending and I wanted to inspire you and I want you guys to, to, to get on board with this and send them some stuff. And I, I know John over at SOE Tactical Gear wants you to you know do business with him. That's why he sponsored the show. But I also know if you, if you can't afford to get a stocking and to send stuff, that he would want you to send something. right? So if you can't do it with a stocking, just send something. Uh, and then look to give Mr. Willis some, some, some business in the future. He's got a lot of great stuff out there, gear for your rifles, gear for your, your packing, things like that. So anyway, you know, that's just one example that we're impacting the lives of these guys in Afghanistan because I took the step to do this show. And it's not about me. It's never been about me. This show's about you. And the success of this show's about you. And people that are out there doing things that I, I could have never imagined. People are out there printing stickers to promote my show and giving them away to other listeners for free. Folks, the guy that's doing that, I didn't ask him to do that. He did that himself. People are burning discs and handing them out because they realize that we need to take our country back. And we don't take our country back through just the ballot box. And we don't take it back by printing up signs and marching around chanting things that makes us sound like fifth graders. We take our country back by first reclaiming our lives. 
And I just want you to understand that what you do matters. And you may never know why. But this little family out in California that's got their own little cottage industry built up around them now. One of the things they may never have known, if I didn't send them an email, and I don't even know if they read it when I did, but without them, this wouldn't have happened. And I'm sure things that this show triggers are making other things happen. But my point is you must take action. You must reclaim your life. You must accept responsibility for everything that happens around you. You must believe above all things that what you do matters. And it can start with something as simple as a container growing some food in your home. And why is this the case? This is the case because this year, I did a show on this, this year for the first time in the history of the world. The United States has become a net importer of food, meaning that we produce less food than we consume. And the more I talk, the more I realize today we're not going to talk about practical gardening in in, in the home. I'll do that show tomorrow because I want you to understand the why first. If you don't already, it's so important. Right now, if the United States said we're going to not export any food, but we're not going to import any food either. If, if nations of the world moved against us and refused to do business with us, we can't feed ourselves. For the first time in history, we can't feed ourselves. This is exactly the same thing that happened with foreign sources of oil. All right? Years and years ago, we produced more oil than anybody else in the world. On some, In some ways, we still have more oil than anybody else in the world. But... Over time, our appetite for for petroleum outgrew our production capacity, and we began to import oil. But we were still producing more here than was being produced overseas for us. And then, eventually, the tide turned, and we became a net importer of oil, where we can no longer run the machinery of our own country without being dependent on foreign sources of government. And you see where that's led us. Well, folks, you might think you need to drive, but you don't need to drive to survive. 120, 130 years ago, nobody had a car. People lived. People survived. And going back to the dawn of man, back to 10,000 B.C. or earlier, people survived without cars. People survived without electricity. People survived without all of these modern conveniences that we now see as requirements and needs. There is one thing that people have never been able to survive without. That's food and water. Water as big a deal as we make about it, if we stop watering Bermuda grass, there's lots of water. As far as enough water to drink, okay, there's plenty of water. We can do things overnight to start having more water at an individual level. We can catch rain, for God's sakes. Alright? I've seen families that build these earthship homes in the deserts of New Mexico that catch enough rain to provide what they need for a year. Alright? It takes a little time to build up a reserve, but once they do, they're able to efficiently use that water and grow food with it and provide what they need to wash and drink and everything else. Water we can handle. Food. Friends, food, (laughs) it is what 
is the linchpin of what makes a survivalist a survivalist. As soon as you start storing some extra food, whether you call yourself a survivalist or not, society does. As soon as you stock up 30 days worth of extra food in your pantry and start a rotational procedure where you're pulling stuff off the front and replacing it on the backside, and you could live for a month or two without any new food to your house, you've taken the very first step toward total survivalism. Well, when you take the step of beginning to produce your own food, even if it's 20% or 30% of what you consume, right? I mean, and honestly, if you really work at it, you could produce at the peak of growing season 100% of what you use from a vegetarian standpoint. And even with, with you know, a little bit of greenhouse work or something like that, you can get 40-50% out in the winter. If you eat what's available, what will grow. When you take that step, though, and you start to produce your own food, you move to a different level as a survivalist, or if you're more comfortable with the term, a homesteader. Because now, not only can you go forward, not only do you have reserves, but you have production capacity. And if every family in America would produce 10% of what they use a year, which is not that much, and you'd be amazed at how little of an effort it would take to produce 10% of your own food if every family in America were to do that, we would solve the problem of being a net importer of food overnight. And we would all live healthier and be healthier and have more control. We would start to reclaim responsibility for ourselves. You know, and if you listen to last week's show, right toward the end there was a point where I kind of snapped. I snapped so loud that I think some people on the forum said that I hurt their ears. And uh, I'll probably go back and, and edit that episode and bring that volume and that little space down a little bit. But I was angry. And I was angry as I could be. And I'm trying not to get angry right now. Just thinking about this. But what I was talking about is how the government keeps asking us for more money. More money. More money. More money for the educational system. More money for the highways. And there's a common thread that runs through it. It's for the children. It's for the children. It's for the children. Oh, somebody think of the children. Right? You know, we need more. Our schools are just not getting the job done. We need more money. How can you be against that? It's for the children. Well, it's bullshit it's for the children. It's for some lazy-ass administrator who sits on their ass all day and makes teachers teach a curriculum that the teachers know doesn't make any sense. It's for the hiring of teachers that speak Spanish because some of our school systems have been overrun by children that don't speak English. And these, these children are taking a proficiency test for proficiency in English in a Spanish language version. It doesn't make any sense. I don't want to go off there right now. It's just what's going on. But when you start the garden and you take a kid to the garden you have them pull an onion out of the freaking ground. Wash the dirt off it and understand that's where an onion comes from. That every onion that's ever been fried in anything that they've ever eaten, that's flavored anything they've ever enjoyed, somebody pulled it from the ground. Somebody put it in the ground. Somebody made it grow. That every kernel of corn, that every green bean, that every tomato, every piece of lettuce, everything in a salad other than maybe you know cheese and bacon, which I like in my salad, grew from the ground. See, when you, when you start to produce your own food on any level, even one pot growing herbs, you reform a connection that's basal in all humans. 
makes you realize what we are here to be as part of the ecosystem. We're not meant to live stacked like cockroaches in high-rise apartment buildings with entire families living at 800 square feet in one building housing 20, 30, 40,000 people some of these buildings now. We're not meant to live that way. We're meant to live in connection with the planet. And there's plenty, even with the population we have, folks, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room as long as we don't destroy. As long as we understand that certain places must be left wild. That deer are going to eat some of your food. Squirrels are going to eat some of your food. You can shoot some of them and eat some of them, but you're going to lose some too. Grow a surplus. Grow some extra. Get your hands dirty. If you haven't had dirt under your fingernails recently... I have to ask you, are you really trying to change the country by changing yourself first? I think it's that important. I think that, you know, a lot of times in the patriot world, people think that one day it might take a million men holding up a rifle willing to die to reclaim our nation. But what about 20 million men, women, and children following the Dervais example and holding up a garden trowel and saying no to genetically modified food. No, we're not going to eat food that has toxins genetically built into it so that we can spray Roundup on it and it won't die. Right? No, we're not going to be dependent on Argentina, Australia, China, Japan, Germany, Chile, or Chile, to import our food. Mexico. We're not going to be dependent on foreign nations for our food. We're not going to be dependent on California if we're in Florida. And we're not going to be dependent on Florida if we're in California. We're going to grow locally. And we're going to reclaim the most basic need that human beings have. Food. And once we don't need the government for food, and that's what's going on right now, folks, people have become dependent on the government to eat. You say, how is that possible? We now believe, not us, the individual here, but as a society, that the government's responsibility is the economy. Right? It was never the responsibility of our government. The founders would have heart attacks and die if they were somehow brought forward to see what they created, what it's become. But society believes that now, that it's up to the government to keep our economy running. Our society, also very few of mainstream society today, are really producing any level of their own food. So the only source of the food that they have is money. The only source of money they have is the economy, and the government, to them, is the end-all, be-all of the economy. So, we must not anger our lords. Alright? We must not anger our kings, our noblemen. Right? We, we must work with the government. Every time something goes wrong, we must go to the government and say, Save us! Save us! Save us! And the government goes, Yeah, we're here to save you. We'll fix it. All we need is some more tax dollars. Just, you know, a little tax here, a little tax there. Here's the program. Look at all the goodies you get in it. It'll make everything better. Well, you get 20 million Americans that go, Wait a minute, I don't need you. I, I, I don't need you to feed my family. Right? And if they're living debt-free on top of it, you know, they work real hard, pay their house off in five to ten years, instead of move to six different houses in, in 20 years and never own any of them. 
I, I don't need you for, for my housing either. The only thing I have to pay you guys is the property tax. And even though you're taking too much from that, I can afford that. I don't need you. I don't care if the economy takes a dump. I'll be all right. We'll eat. We'll be, we'll be housed. We'll have shelter, food, and water. Wait a minute. Hello? Those are the things that they teach you that you need to survive in the wilderness. When you think a wilderness survival course, primary things you need are shelter from the elements so you don't freeze or die from the heat. You need water and you need food. If you can get those three things, you'll make it. Well, what I'm saying is producing your own food is the first step in getting the ability to do all of that for yourself and no longer be dependent on society as a whole. To form individual community units where people are dependent on each other, not the government. To realize what this nation was founded upon was the land and was the farmer. See, people have been lied to over and over and over again that the countless immigrants that came here, not the ones in the last 20, 30, even 40 years, but the ones that came here in the 1800s, in the early 1900s, we're told they came here for the great freedom, the great opportunity. Much well, true, but nobody tells you what that freedom and opportunity was. You could own land in America. No matter who you were born to, there was no birthright to land, except that everybody had a birthright to land. All you had to do was save up some money and buy some land. And you might go, well, isn't that the same everywhere? It wasn't. It wasn't in the 1800s. There was still a lot of the nobility, feudal systems left around. And in some countries today, it's still very difficult to buy land. But in America, you could come over here and work in one of our sweatshop factories for six months, live in a house with ten other immigrants, save up cash, move out to Missouri or Oklahoma or somewhere and buy yourself 30 or 40 acres and own it and it would be yours. And you could make that sacrifice and once you made it, then you could bring your family over. Once you brought your family over, you could build a farm. And no one would ever tell you you can't grow something or that what you grow has to go to somewhere else. You could grow it, you could consume it, and you could sell it. And you could own land. And you could be anything you wanted. But that's what most people that came here wanted to be. They wanted to be someone that owned land. Because in their mind and in their eye, the ownership and control of land was the key to being wealthy. That all the wealthy people, all the noble people in their countries were landowners. And they came here. And they built this country. They cut, and if you've never cleared even an acre of wooded lot down without a bulldozer, because they didn't have bulldozers back then, folks, and turned it into a field, you have no idea what it would take to go out and do that with a 20-acre plot or a 30-acre plot or a 40-acre plot, and how tough and how hard and how resolved these people had to be. That's the spirit that courses through the blood of America's veins. That's what's in you, whether you know it or not, whether anybody's ever told you it or not. That is your birthright. And it doesn't have to be this huge farm like it was back then. You can do it right in suburbia. The Dervais have proved that it can be done in suburbia. And if you think about it, the suburban lifestyle is actually some of the richest land in the world for growing crops. One, a lot of it 
It's sitting on farms that eventually sold out. So it was farmland already. Two, it's, it's largely cleared and level. Most suburban land is fairly flat. Even if you're in a hilly area, like your lot has been flattened out. Three, you have microclimates. You have a shady side of the house, a sunny side of the house. You have little areas where you can grow all different various types of food depending on whether it needs to be kept a little cooler in the summer, a little warmer in the summer, a little warmer in the winter. All right, You have a ready supply of water because even if you're still just using city water and you don't have a well or whatever, water is really actually one of the cheapest things that the government actually does and charges us for. You know, Most of the public works water systems. Water is pretty cheap. So you have everything you need to do small-scale farming right in suburban America. And it's, it's, it's so possible that it's really a step that you should take. Now, if you don't have a house, right, you have an apartment, then container gardening is kind of the way to go. If you're renting a place, you know, container gardening is the way to go. So I'll, I'll make good on my promise to do a show on container gardening, and I'll do that tomorrow. But today, I just wanted to just once again reinforce how critical this is. How this is this, that you can rebel more with a garden trout than a battle rifle. I know that may stick in the craw of, of, of some people's throats, but it's true. And, you know, again, it's not, it's, it's, anybody that's listened to the show for the first time may not know how much of kind of a, a gun nut I am and how much I, I, I love my guns and how much I'm a supporter of the Constitution. And I've actually received several awards from the NRA for, for being an activist for the Second Amendment. So when I say that, it's not, we don't need our guns anymore. It's not let them have our guns. It's neither one of those. But my, my point is with a practical nature, what are you going to do? Line up a couple hundred thousand guys and head to Washington with Garens? Right? It's this nonsensical. It's treasonous as well. But you get a couple million people with a garden trowel feeding themselves and reclaiming their own birthright and reclaiming what it is to be an American. And then you go back to what I started this show with. When you do something, when you take an action, it affects so many people you'll never know about. Every person that picks up a trowel and turns a little dark soil over and grows something and then goes out and takes a little bit of the extra and gives it to a neighbor, gives it to a co-worker, says, here you go, I grew this in my backyard, makes people immediately, when somebody hands you a homegrown tomato, you know what you think? I remember when. I remember when my mother, my father, my grandfather used to grow a garden. I've thought about it. And Maybe I should. Now, not everybody runs out and plants one, but it makes them start to think that way. So it's it's it, it's it's a network thing. It, it's a you know six degrees of separation thing. Every time you take an action, you create a response in other people that observe your action. And this is one of the best actions you can take. So I hope that if you're not gardening yet, you'll consider it. I hope that if you are gardening, you're going to keep working to make your results better. And above all, I hope that if you are gardening producing anything that you're sharing. And Friday I got on this, you know, tangent a little bit too about this, you know, kind of the airy fairy. We all need to share. If we just all share, the planet would be better. And yeah, I think that's just kind of a little bit overly idealistic because sharing's between equals. Right? Sharing is not between producers and consumers. Sharing is between producers. Right? And the sharing that a lot of these kind of liberal whack job people talk about is me working my ass off to share with some guy sitting on his. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you 
taking a tomato, putting it in your kid's hand, walking next door to the guy that works hard, pays his bills just like you, and say, hey, give, give Mrs. Wilson some the tomatoes, honey. Yeah, we grew these and we wanted to come over and you know share them with you. We have some extras. That's what I'm talking about. That's reclaiming your life. That's helping other people reclaim their lives. And I've said this before, but if you ever want to quote me of saying something, it's if you want to change your nation, first you change yourself. Okay, and that's what this is really all about. Again, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. You can scream, and you can holler, it really doesn't matter, cause it all gets spent.